Welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast, leading the way in the business of medicine. Now here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello everyone and welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. The EDGE podcast is brought to you today by the National Society of Healthcare Business Consultants and Keck Medicine of USC, 500 plus internationally renowned doctors and a leading academic medical center keeping you healthy, on track, and doing the things you love. KeckMedicine.org, Los Angeles. This week on the EDGE podcast, I welcome fellow NSCHBC member and CPA Mark Lyon. Mark provides tax, estate, financial, and retirement planning services to high net worth individuals and business owners in healthcare, investment banking, real estate, and professional service industries. Mark's more than 30 years of public accounting experience spans a range of tax, personal finance, business advisory, and practice management expertise. Our topic of discussion today is very timely. As inflation continues to rise and economic futures can be uncertain, we wanted to discuss physician and dentist retirement planning and why it's never too late to start and what you need to do to make sure you are securing you and your family's future. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Terry, thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate the time and I look forward to having a, uh, a fruitful conversation, which hopefully will provide some good, valuable advice for our audience. Great. So let's talk. Let's just kind of jump right in. And actually, I think I was sending you some talking points yesterday, and I know the first one was kind of comical. So how much does an average physician retire? Do we need to retire? I mean, I know we want to say, you know, $40 million, but let's get real. What What is their average that they want to retire with? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on, well, and I know we did pass back and forth a couple of emails yesterday, and my answer was really as much as possible. Um, but I've seen it range and it really um, depends on the particular physician or medical professional's lifestyle and how they've um, come accustomed to living their lifestyle, whether uh, you know they're managing their expenses and living frugally or if they're, you know, I, for lack of a better term, living large and they own multiple homes and you know, their monthly expenditures are X. What, what they really need to do is sit down with a planner and figure out what that monthly expenditure is going to look like in their retirement ages. Okay. Now, something I often hear is, oh, I'll manage for taxes and, and uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll set money aside. And hopefully when I, you know, when I retire or the, the expectation is when somebody retires that they'll, they might be in a, in a, in a lower bracket. I'm here to tell you that actually, I think just the opposite. And usually what I'll tell clients is, hey, if you're really managing things properly and you put aside enough retirement savings uh, and other investments that will yield you income in the future, theoretically, your, 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 your retirement income and your income in your future may, be, may have you in the same bracket, which means that you did a good job of setting aside an adequate amount of money, you know, to support your, you know, to support the lifestyle you've grown accustomed to in, in, in your retirement age. So, I mean, it really depends if, if I have a client that is uh, making in the high six figures, a low seven figures, or, you know, in, in, in uh, the low seven, seven figure range, you really want to be set aside. You really want to set aside a monthly income amount that they're, that's going to accommodate the lifestyle that they they've been maintaining themselves in already. So I, for some of my clients, I like to see five to 10 million. Some can be as high as 15 million. And you could have you could have individuals that could do with two or three million, three or four million. And again, it really boils down to what they've grown accustomed to. 
So a question on some of the points that you mentioned, which has kind of just triggered some thoughts here. First of all, I know in my industry, which is revenue cycle, revenue cycle management, you know, coding, billing, reimbursement, compliance, I noticed that when the physicians are in med school, they don't get trained on this. So they, they come out of school not really understanding that process and having to hire people to, you know, an expertise and to make sure that they their money comes in correctly. And I'm finding a lot of times they will hire family members and things like that just to get the ball rolling, which sometimes can be a little bit of a detriment if they don't have expertise in, in coding, billing and things. So turning it over to tax planning and retirement planning, are they, is this even discussed in medical school or not really? Yeah, unfortunately, Terry, although I think med schools are trying to bring in, um, you know, some professionals to at least speak to the young people uh, while they're still in residency or they're uh, doing the fellowships or attendings, they don't teach business in medical school. That's what I was And, saying. you know, it's probably why um, you and I have been, you know, in, in, in business for a long time. I've made, <laughs> yeah, I've made a uh, healthcare. Um, you know, my, my business for the last 30 years, probably exactly uh, why, you know, we're needed so much in this, in this industry. Usually I will actually go in uh, and speak in the hospital sometimes. And that's how I built my career actually, you know, servicing medical residents and flash forward, everybody, everybody's all, all grown up and in practice and looking to exit practices and looking to retire. And we're having a lot of these conversations um now and we've done i've done a good job with with many of my clients with helping them build their their wealth and their nest eggs but it, it's never too early to start so usually my bottom line answer to you know when to start or how to manage it even when you're a medical resident and your income and your salary is not what it will be certainly when you come out of residency cash flow permitted it's never too early to start so you know you you really want to go for what's simple and what what's attainable and and what you could do first and if you're working somewhere and if it's a hospital they have a 403b plan or even if you're terry even if you're funding an ira account which you could put in six thousand or sixty five hundred i forgot what the exact number is right now right. but you know even if you could put something in there if your income is at a certain level whether you have a plan available to you or not just to put something aside. And and even if it's $100 a month, even if it's $200 a month, whatever that amount might be, when you think about tax deferred um, growth and tax deferred compounding, even a little bit today can grow into something um, in the future that is certainly gonna be you know worthwhile. So I, my, my bottom line answer is usually cash flow permitted. That's, yeah. Now you, you mentioned something as far as, and I'm just curious what you see out there since you have the, the high-end clients as well. I'm not familiar with physicians living frugal, frugally. <laughs> so, you know, you get all of a sudden, it, it's like they're thrown into this um, huge, I don't want to say huge pile of money because after a while they realize that they've also got a huge pile of debt and expenses going out as well. But I, I do see physicians kind of changing into a lifestyle that may not be necessarily good for retirement because you get used to that kind of uh, way of living. But do you see physicians at all that are, you know, really just two cars and one house, maybe a summer house instead of just being too expansive in, in what they're doing? Do you ever see them actually at this point pulling back or is it still kind of a, a wealth of I don't know. I don't want to say overspending because that's probably not accurate, but you, you kind of know where I'm going with that. 
Yeah, no, I know exactly where you're going, and and it is difficult. They you know, listen when when they're in residency. It's it's the hours that they put in. It's like working two jobs, and if you were to break down the you know the hourly wage, you know we don't want to even go there. And then they'll finish, and they'll and they'll start an attending uh, position, or they might join a practice, or they might go into practice. And I still see that uh, happen uh, today, especially with um, some of the specialties, and. The inc- and their income dials up rather rapidly, right? And so the first knee-jerk reaction would be to, hey, I've been working all these years, I've been studying all these years, I've been really paying my dues and, and I'm really getting established and starting my career much later than some of my contemporaries who might be in different fields of, of business or professions. Uh, and it, it's, it's natural to wanna reward yourself if you would, right? And I think that's fine as well, but I think it's important for any young professional, uh, quite frankly, in any industry to sit down and look at their financial situation and look at their financial future and and to initiate some planning in some respect to start setting some money aside uh, for retirement, like we discussed, and depending on whether you're an employee or you're in business is different retirement vehicles. Because it'll it'll grow over the years, and you'll be surprised at how quickly it could grow um, over the years. But it, you know, you need to. I mean, to answer your question, Terry, I do have clients that have gotten grounded like that. They're very, you know, they're very. Um, I might not call them frugal, although some of them are. But they get grounded as to what it is that they do need to do That's to good. secure their futures, to secure their. Um, secure their assets, listen, things like asset protection for, you know, we live in a very litigious society, you know, it's right. not only just, you know, protecting um, and, and planning for the future with retirement savings, but it's also protecting yourself and, and incorporating some risk management. So it's important for a young professional to sit down with, with a planner that's experienced in their field and, and may know their particular industry and the nuances that may be encountered with, with the healthcare industry. Here's a kind of a pivot. So I've noticed that, well, let's say, and you and I have been in both been in the industry over 30 years. So about, about 20 years ago, I noticed that there was a lot of older physicians that were still practicing. And then and now I'm seeing a lot more, a lot more younger physicians, you know, private equity firms trying to buy up different practices. What is the actual age right now of physician retirement? Yeah, that's interesting. I do have, you know what, and, and listen, as I think you and I might be around the same age or close to it. You know, I, I, I used to say that I'm going to retire early. You know, I'd like to retire early. And even if I could, my wife challenged me and said, you know, who are you kidding? Your type A personality. You'll never <laughs> we must um, have the same conversations in my yeah, house. My husband says yeah, the same exactly. thing. <laughs> so, so with that, you know, I see physicians continue on. They may change what they're, they're doing or how they're working. Right. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see a lot of them particularly retire very early from the working environment. They may change what they're doing. They may practice a little less. They may, you know, they may practice clinical a little less, but they want to stay engaged. And this is kind of what I, you know, what I see unless realistically there's some windfall or, but you know, listen, I have plenty of clients that have, um, uh, I have plenty of clients that have gone through private equity transactions, um, you know, realistically, could retire if they wanted to, but they stay in the game. You know, they're, you know, quite frankly, they're interested in 
in improving healthcare and improving the environment, you know, and, and, and the working environment, what's out there. And, you know, they've, they've, you know, they've gotten into charitable organizations. So they're, they're working in some kind of capacity, but I think the goal here is not necessarily to hit a point where, Hey, I want to retire at this age. And this is what I'm finding and seeing Terry. And I, I kind of believe this even myself, but hit a point where, you know, at a particular age, I want to work the way I'm able to work. You know, I want to work on my schedule. I want to dial back. I want to stay active. I want to stay sharp. Um, but, to, you know, I haven't really come across too many of my clients, quite frankly, that just kind of want to hang it up and go play golf every day or every other day. They, no, that would know, be they, my husband. They want to. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, and listen, I would like to do that, too. But, you know, well, not really. I can't see myself doing that for an extended period of time. You want to kind of stay engaged and stay sharp. So, I mean, look, I have a I have I had a cardiologist that was practicing. He recently retired um, just last year. He's well into his 80s. Wow. And he, he developed yeah. and he accumulated his wealth. He realistically could have, you know, he was a New York City uh, Park Avenue cardiologist. He was practicing. You and I know back in the days when when medical, when when health insurance reimbursements were insurance reimbursements, right? Not what, you know, not not, not really what we're what seeing we, now. Yeah. And not what we're seeing now or for the last you know 15 years or 20, 20 years. But wow. uh, he was practicing back in the day and, and, you know, he kept on working because he wanted to. Um, you know, and, and it, it just, but with that being said, you want to properly plan for that retirement. Listen, in a perfect plan, setting aside money for retirement is a tax advantage way to, you know, save some additional money here and today, right? So when you put money into a retirement plan, whether it's your 401k or if you're in practice and you set up a pension plan or a cash balance or a profit sharing plan, those monies that you're setting aside fulfill a couple of different um, goals, right? One is saving for retirement and getting some tax compounded growth. The other is you're saving tax dollars, the here and today, okay? And a tax deferred dollar grows much better than a taxable dollar, but you're saving tax dollars. And then there's some asset protection components to, um, to putting money into retirement vehicles. And every state may have different rules and different plans may have different rules, but it also provides for uh, you know, asset protection in the here and today. But for a truly, you know, what I would call a, a, a well-established plan, listen, that retirement money for um, a physician or a physician's family, that may be money that more or less in the future, maybe that physician never touches. And it gets bequeathed to, you know, to a family member or, or to children or to grandchildren. And the, you know, the, the healthcare professional has done enough planning that actually have regular assets, even outside the retirement assets that they'll utilize to maintain their lifestyle or some other income producing um, assets or properties. And those retirement assets may, you know, will only get touched at, at such a time when there's a requirement, there's a required minimum distribution age in your early 70s, where you have to start drawing out those retirement out, yeah. assets, right? But and right. start spending them, you're taxed on the income as, as you spend it. But I just, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I have a client in the firm that um, you know, the, the father was, uh, was a dentist, uh, had quite a bit set aside in the retirement savings. And realistically, it, you know, was probably about six or seven million. It's, it's really just maintained itself. He passed away um, last year, I think, or it might have been the year before, and the state just got settled. And, and these retirement assets have now passed to the children. 
okay. you know, who realistically have developed and, and developed their own wealth, you know, in, in, in their own right. And it may get passed on to this is generational inheritances, right? So you need to do proper planning around that as well. And also, you know, do the proper planning to mitigate any future estate taxes, which could be a whole different podcast. A different right? Yeah. So a question that com that's come up for me is I noticed that now, just because of the pandemic, I've noticed that there's been maybe a, just a little bit of a change in a mindset of retirement because there's been some burnout. There's been, you know, um, issues with a lot of doctors actually don't like the, the telemedicine aspects. Some love it. Some don't. Some are like, I really like the, you know, personal aspect face to face with my with my patients. And I've noticed, you know, 60, 65 is kind of what I'm seeing as far as a target date. But like you said, some are pivoting to um, different kinds of work, consulting work, or I have one doctor, he's like, yeah, I'm just going into real estate now. I'm like, okay. Um, but have you seen that the pandemic has changed the retirement mindset or, you know, there it's more about, I, I don't want to do this anymore because of volumes, or have you seen, because we have a virtual option now and we don't know where that's going as far as permanency, but have you found that they're saying they're staying longer in practice because of that or what what have you seen in the pandemic mindset? it's a good question terry i have seen i have some i have seen some early retirements um uh not necessarily my clients they're still kind of going strong but i have i have seen it in industry i have had the conversations with clients hey you know how am i looking if i wanted to you know, could I, if I, you know, right. if I wanted to, you know, hang up a shingle next, you know, hang up the shingle next year and, and retire, could I do that? And we go through those, um, we go through those meetings. I'm going to have one um, next month with one particular client, but I, you know, whether they're ready to actually do it, you know, I'm not sure because there's another component there and it depends on if you're dealing with a sole practitioner or somebody's in a group, you know, there's also a, a dedication and a concern for, the physician's patients, right? right? And so if somebody's, you know, if a, if a practitioner is going to hang up, um, you know, hang it up and, and look to retire, what happens with with the practice and what happened? I think we've even had some of these emails circulate within the group, right? Um, you know, what happens with that, with the patients and the practice? And, and I don't have too many, or have I come across too many physicians where there wasn't a plan in place already, like maybe they were part of a larger group and maybe there was a retirement date set inside or maybe there's a mandatory retirement date. Um, it becomes an exercise to actually plan through and figure out what to do with the practice and what to do with the patient records and how to transfer things and look for a proper suitor or potentially, you know, the, the avenue you might be to merge into a hospital and that's depending on the specialty and then the hospital takes over and then at least, you know, um, you know, or a larger group, and then you know that that your patients and and the practice that you've built up over a number of years is is going to be handled and hopefully handled properly. So, even that exercise alone, and then probably more long-winded answer as to maybe what you were looking for, but even that exercise becomes uh, becomes a bit of an exercise and a, and a planning exercise to even figure out when one could could retire because nobody i haven't come across anybody who's just said hey you know what i'm just closing up the doors i'm i have enough <laughs> yeah. money you know i can I, i'm going to do this next month hey employees uh, here's your last paycheck i you know i haven't come across any of that but not to say that hasn't been you know part of conversations that have been going on the last couple of years and i and i do have some clients that are looking you know, one in particular is an orthopedic, you know, he, he'd probably like to hang it up in the next year or two. And, 
move on to some of these other things that he's gotten himself involved with research, um, you know, development, you know, maybe some, you know, some private equity work or, you know, other charitable work. So it, 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 you know, I think it varies, but yes, I am seeing them, you know, a lot of them are burnt out. I think you and I are burnt out, you know, I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been doing it, you know, I've, I've been doing this over 30 years. I know you as well. And on my end, if I never saw another tax return, that would be okay. <laughs> It's funny because people are like, well, did the pandemic hurt your business? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? The pandemic doubled my business. I don't know what you're talking about. But um, it has been a nonstop busy season. So here's a question based on what you were saying. So when somebody comes to you, Mark, and they're saying they're ready for the conversation, and it sounds like it's more ready for the conversation than to, you know, hang up their shingle. What is the for the first thing you talk about? Do you do you say okay? So let's let's get a target date in mind of what you're thinking, and then do you go into things like pensions and IRAs and you know even traditional 401k plans? And you mentioned the 403b, or do you sit down and first say let's take a look at the entire you know financial profile you have? And obviously it's different if they're in a group versus a single um, you know physician or even a dentist. But let's take that. Let's take that solo practitioner first. What What's the first thing that, that you need to do to, to, to help them figure out what to do to move forward? Yeah, so Terry, it's a good question. And and, and I do handle, like yourself, you know, a lot of um, small practices, large practices, even in institutions. But for, for the real answer to that question is that's something that we're doing on a periodic basis anyway. Um, I mean, I have a background. I'm a CFP as well. I've done, you know, a lot of this planning in, in, in the past. Um, but usually what I'll act as is somewhat of a quarterback for all the other team members, which might be the financial planner, might be the healthcare attorney. And we're all talking to each other throughout the year in a periodic basis, on a periodic basis anyway, especially the financial planner or the money manager, where we're looking at the retirement plans and then we're sitting down with the client and we're discussing where we're at. And there's usually, there should be some target date in any good plan to begin with. So if for properly formatted formulated plan, uh, you may have some of those answers already in place. All right. If, if it hasn't been looked at and money's just been put set aside and, and, and uh, um, the plan's not looked at on at least an annual basis yet, yeah, you know, it, it's time to sit down. Hey, where are my assets? Where's my risk? Okay. And how is my portfolio structured? And, you know, what are my expenses? And it's a matter of pulling that information together and, and really looking at a cash flow statement and then looking at, you know, potential, um, you know, realistically hate to be morbid, but mortality rates and how long right. you always got to plan for your money lasting longer than you really, you know, than you really anticipate. Here's an interesting um, question on that. Yeah. I just, just to inter interject real quick. Sure. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, tax deferred things and where to kind of I hate to call it stash your money until you're ready for it, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what, what retirement planning is to me anyway. But one of the things that I've noticed, and tell me if this is something you also counsel your clients on or potential clients, it's it seems like they want to invest in things like, and, and kind of make this their, their retirement, like an ambulatory surgery center or office-based labs or other businesses that tend to, you know, they can, they always call it sit back and watch the money roll in, which I, I cough when I say that, but only because it depends on your payer makeup on that. Do you get that at all as far as a question versus putting money into some tax deferred plans? Uh, yeah. And, and I have many clients that actually have ownership interests in ASCs and um, other, what let's call it passive income. Yeah. 
opportunities. Uh, they have invested in in some, and usually if if they're um, if they're smart and they're um, and they're communicating well, and usually they are. At least my clients are. They're running these things bef- in front of me before they're making their investments. Um, but I have I have seen some success with some clients. To me, that Terry, that's actually part of your overall portfolio. Right. So when you're looking at your asset classes, you can have your retirement contribution. You could have your retirement accounts. You could have an ASC or real estate or some other passive investments. You could have your regular portfolio that's sitting outside your retirement accounts. And all that becomes part of your overall. I think of it as part of your overall portfolio and goes into part of your overall plan. I've seen some, you know, some of my clients have been very successful with these ASCs, especially when they've um, when they've been bought out by private equity. Uh, I just had a client, you know, in this past year who, you know, had a, uh, you know, quite a bit of a windfall, um, you know, for uh, owned uh, part of an endoscopy center. Um, private equity is is still pretty fluent down there and going strong, looking for opportunities in the healthcare space. They like the healthcare space. I question sometimes, does it bring better care to the patients? I think arguments could be made both ways. Um, you know, but but this is the world that we've we've come to enter, and it's been going on for you know quite some time. Um, so to answer your question, would I do one in lieu of the other? You know, I like to deal with what's simple and what's easy first, and what's going to yield immediate results. Like retire, you know, putting money into a retirement plan, I'm going to get a tax deduction that's going to save me taxes today. That's going to cost me less today right. by simply taking the money and putting it from pocket from the left pocket, putting it into the right pocket, I'm going to get a tax deduction. So I have, I have, you know, and, and in conjunction with say a small practice, and when I say a small practice, listen, that could be a two, three, $5 million practice, depending on specialty. Maybe there's one partner or two partners, um, you know, to set up, you know, what type of plan to set up, um, you know, the first line of defense might be just set up a 401k plan include your employees you may have what we'll call a safe harbor provision where maybe you have to, for you to max out, you need to make some extra contributions for your employees. It's always a balance, okay? Um, but in this competitive industry, to set up a plan for your employees is, to me, is, is a must, all right, just to be competitive with other businesses. And then cash flow permitted, you might expand on that 401k plan and set up a profit sharing plan, which also has a safe harbor provision. And to go further is again cash flow permitted set up some form of defined benefit plan which could be a pension plan or a cash balance plan and that's really where you can get into some heavy duty tax savings and and heavy duty planning and, and retirement contributions for um for a a smaller practitioner or even a larger one and again this all depends on cash flow permitted um you know, how much uh, does a particular practice or a business owner want to put away for their employees? Because you have to somewhat do for your employees what you're doing for yourself. However, these these retirement plans that incorporate, say, a cash balance plan or, or a pension plan for the defined benefit component of it, um, very often can yield a, a substantial savings for the business owner. And I often see contributions uh, out of the total contributions can be as high as 75, 85%, depending on how they're set up. You're still taking care of your employees, but you're putting quite a bit of money away for yourself. I'm thinking of one particular uh, client that came to us last year. Now, maybe the plan didn't work for him in the past, but we were looking at it. And this this particular client is, is older in age, actually in his early 60s. And he never really 
had a defined benefit plan where which is a plan that you could put a lot more money uh, into in contributions. He had the the regular 401k and he had a profit sharing plan, but that's going to be limited to a lower amount. And we looked at it and we looked at a plan design with with the TPA, the third party administrator, the actuary, and the numbers just happen to work. And Terry, I could tell you, I mean, we picked this client up and after the fact planning, you know, and because of some of the rules, the changes in the rules in the CARES Act, we were actually able to set the plan up this year, even though 2021 passed. And this particular uh, this particular physician, and he had the cash flow it, cash flow for it, he put aside about 340, 350,000 on top of what we were doing. We yielded him about $150,000 tax savings. I'll tell you, he, he, you would have thought I created sliced bread. <laughs> and this awesome. was just a simple, this was That's just great. a simple, hey, I know you guys haven't done this before, but let's revisit. Right. And the numbers That's just right. happened to work. And, you know, we, we went through it. And, and this particular physician has had a, a good run with his employees, low employee turnover. Mark, I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to set aside some additional money for my employees. They, you know, they're, they're, you know, they've, they've helped me build the practice. He was, you know, he was all for it, you know, and then on top of that, we were able to put this additional money aside. And because of his age, because the way a retirement plan might work is the contribution amount can sometimes be, be dictated by the number of years left toward what perceived retirement might be. And for an actuary, that might be 66 or 67 now. And so if there's a shorter period of time to fund the plan. It gives you the ability to make larger contributions. Now, I don't want to, you know, I don't think this podcast is for, you know, all the technicalities yeah. of how these plans might work. But let's just say that there's always an opportunity to set aside additional money. Again, I'm going to go back to always cash flow permitted. Right. And That's if awesome. cash flow is not permitted, well, then you got to look at some other components of the practice, right, Terry? Maybe rev cycle needs to be looked at. Maybe there should be more cash flow. Right. You know, maybe, you know, it's not a problem until it's a problem. And it's times like this when you hit a recessionary period and the beginning of COVID, as we know, where everybody stepped up and they started looking at the business instead of they working. They really did. I mean, everybody right? was like, OK, wait, <laughs> let's see what I actually have here, right. which kind of leads me into <clears throat> a couple other things. I know you mentioned passive income is great, but that's really part of your, you know, your profile. So you need to have some of the things that are secured, like, you know, traditional possible 401ks, 403ps, the tax deferred, um, you know, stuff. But is a and then i'll wrap it up through this is a retirement savings account something that people should be looking at i just the the obviously if you turn on the tv or listen to the news the market is very volatile right now i it's it's so up and down and mostly down so what do you what is your comments on that yeah it, so when you say retirement savings account are you saying like an after-tax retirement savings account, yes. like a roth yes. or yeah, yeah, I have clients um, that put aside additional. They may not qualify. There's there are things called backdoor Roths. Uh, uh, you know, where you may make a non-deductible IRA contribution uh, immediately convert it. Uh, you know, to a Roth. Um, you know, they're, like they're they let me do seven thousand a year. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, like it's whatever the number lot, might but... be. But it's not a lot. But listen, it builds up over time. Um, I could share with you that I've been doing that. Um, I think this market eventually will shake itself out. I mean, look, it went up fast and furious. It's come down fast and furious. Years from now, if you look at the, the span of years over a period of time, the market yields a certain market return. Some people look at this time period right now, and if they have the stomach for it, they're saying it's opportunity. 
Um, I haven't let up on my own, con you know, my own monthly contributions. I'm looking at it and, and the, the, the plan is down, but I'm looking at it as, hey, I'm getting in at some better valuations that ultimately in the future, hopefully will be higher. Um, and historically, the market has done that. Now, you know, I'm, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. We're not sure what the future could hold, but I would imagine over the period of time, you'll look back at this particular um, time period, the, the couple of years that we're dealing right now, we could, you know, we could be into a recession every period into 2023. Um, and you'll look at this time period and say that was opportunity, right, to maybe get into good quality um, investments that in the future should come back and hopefully, you know, will will yield a positive result. Yeah, I'm not here to give investment advice by any means, but I think just dollar cost averaging and staying the course will yield a positive result. Not a bad future. idea. Okay. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And Mark, we'd like to thank you for being on the podcast today. This is some great information. I think you've given our physicians and dentist clients a lot to think about. And, you know, as far as the financial insights and, and really where to target their business, I think this is a great opportunity, as you say, for them to really start thinking about the retirement planning and, and at least sit down with a professional like yourself and, and hopefully get that started. So, again, we appreciate you being on the podcast today. Terry, thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me. I look forward to uh, speaking on future topics if you, uh, if you need me to. Thank but you. I really appreciate the time. Thanks. So you can reach Mark at nschbc.org, go to the Find the Consultant tab, type in his first name, and it's Mark with a C, and his information will pop up for you. Again, we want to thank Mark for his expertise today. And as a reminder to our listeners, our monthly free webinar series is next month. We have October 26th, where healthcare attorney Karen George will discuss the IDR process for the No Surprises Act. Also next month, we'll we will be presenting a two-day virtual summit on behavioral and mental health services, including telemental health, contracting and credentialing, integrating mid-levels into your behavioral health practice, OIG scrutiny, and more. I know I'll be teaching two of those sessions, so you can go to nschbc.org to check out all of our educational offerings and the upcoming educational page. We'll be giving eight CEUs for certified NSCHBC members and six CEUs for AAPC and AHIMA certified members. That's it for us today, everyone. Please join me next month where our topic will be private equity buyers. So until next time, make it a great day, a great rest of your month, and thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Join us on the second Tuesday of each month as our consultants tackle the complexities of navigating the business of medicine. You can reach us on the web at nschbc.org, the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants.